My next guest is a former SEC star and the former quarterback of the Washington football team. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jason Campbell. Jason, is everything going for you? Hey, what's up, Zach? Can't complain, man. Just, uh, you know, out here trying to trying to make it through one day at a time. But uh, a lot of changes, a lot of changes. So, uh, you know, it's a lot to talk about. Absolutely. So we're for NFL, we got training camp coming up next week. What have been your thoughts on the offseason so far? It's been a quiet offseason for the most part. Uh, you know, an offseason used to be times where you hear somebody getting in trouble, somebody getting arrested for this, arrested for that, because uh, guys have so much free time and, you know, they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And, and sometimes it calls for trouble. But, you know, I think the guys have handled it a lot uh, well this year. Uh, you haven't seen a lot of things out there in the news. You've seen a few things, but um, but it's not as normal as it usually is in the past. So, you know, training camps here, you know, I think a lot of guys are gearing up. They're ready. Uh, you know, for the most part, last year, there was no OTAs, no mini camps. The first time they saw each other was training camp, and, and that was even spaced out. So I think now I have an opportunity to go in there full speed and uh, and hit the ground running. I think it's going to be a different type of uh, type of feel for these guys. What do you think of the new guys Washington's brought in, both in the draft and free agency? I do. I like I like the guys they brought in. Uh, you know, the kid they drafted out of Texas, the offensive lineman. Um, you know, I think he's going to have an opportunity to compete. Um, with Eric Flowers and you know, Charles Leno that, that they have there. I'm not expecting him to start right off the bat, but I, I think you know he will have a chance to, to go out there and gain some experience, learning behind those guys. And you know, anytime you ink a three-year deal you know, with some of these guys uh, that you brought in as a free agent, they're pretty much going to start that year. So I think this year will be a big learning curve for him this year. Um, when you think about the receivers that Washington brought in, Curtis Samuels, you know, to add along with, you know, Terry McLaurin, you know, Curtis was a, he was a big part of Carolina Panthers, what they did. And he was also a special team guy. So, you know, they can put him back there and not put their best receiver, Terry, you know, with Terry being back there to return punts and kickoffs, that they can put Curtis back there and let him do that. And uh, as their number two receiver. So, you know, I think that's going to open up some doors. And then you think about, you know, from a defensive standpoint, you know, getting William Jackson the third, you know, I think is huge. Uh, you know, you pair him up with Fuller. Now you're talking about, you know, one of the best tandems in the NFL uh, to go out and compete on Sunday, especially in a passing league. So, you know, I feel I like some additions that they made and everything they're doing. So I think they're headed in the right direction. Then going back to Terry, did he ask you to use 17? <laughs> I don't think he had to. I think Doug is the one he has asked. <laughs> you know, I, had a, I had a good time with that number, though. I put up some good numbers with a lot of chaos, but uh, we definitely had a chance to communicate. Like, he's one of the stand-up guys. I'm a fan of his. You know, a lot of guys are, like, ego guys and things like that, but that's not Terry. Man, Terry is a, you know, straightforward, humble guy. So, you know, he wears the number right, man, and, uh, you know, and, and it represents him very well because, like I said, Doug was a humble guy. You know, I consider myself a guy that, you know, didn't have an ego. And, uh, and now Terry is a, is a guy that's, you know, continued to, to do the same. So, you know, he, he's, he's great for Washington, great for the locker room. And then going back to the first round, these elected Jimmy Davis uh, linebacker from Kentucky. That surprised you? You think they might look at a QB? No, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, you look at the, the draft and everything from a quarterback standpoint, you know, everybody gets hung up on, you know, trying to get the young quarterbacks. But, I feel like when you got this guy, defense wins championships. You know, you already got Chase Young. You already got Montez Sweat. You, know, you already got, you know, your guys on the D-line, a couple of Bama guys from there. They already picked up in the last couple of years. You know, your linebacker before you get, when you get this kid from Davis, you look at what he did at Kentucky. You know, Kentucky, you know, is not a powerhouse in football. 
you know, in basketball, it usually is, but they, they're a very respectful program in the SEC. And you think about what this guy does, man, and you're talking about the defense that Washington runs, like you need that type of player. You know, he's a game-changing player. And uh, so I, I, that pick doesn't surprise me. And I think him playing in Ron Rivera's defense, look at Thomas Davis, how many years he played with Ron Rivera in that defense. Now you get a chance if you if you this kid and you come in like, you know, your antenna's got to go off because you got to be excited about the opportunity to play for a defensive head coach and uh, knowing that you're going to get your opportunities. And looking at the guys right now, they do have a quarterback. You obviously brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, you have Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, and a couple guys, practice squad guys. Do you like the kind of nucleus they had? Do you think they maybe tried to, maybe they should have tried to go after some of those guys that were available? Well, I think you can push yourself to wait another year. I think, uh, you know, Taylor Heineke, you know, he came in and had a really good, you know, a really good playoff game. And, you know, like I said, you know, Tampa didn't have any film on him. So it was a great opportunity for him to go out there and showcase. Now the problem is, you know, people get tape on you. They know how to prepare for you a little bit better and they kind of know what to expect. But for him, I think he's in a win situation. You know, he was on a, you know, about to just be out the league and now he got a two year, $8 million contract, you know, so yeah. off one game, you know, so, and then you look at, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, guy has been in the league for 17 years. Uh, you know, I remember talking to Ryan when I was playing. He was talking about retiring when he was in Houston. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I was like, you know, he caught fire. And like he said, he found the fun again. Um, it's it's tough when you play for bad organizations, man. Sometimes it takes the fun out of the game. But, you know, for Ryan, he's had opportunities to still get opportunities after opportunities. And I think he's found his fun again. And when you see him doing stuff off the field in the media, that's when you know a guy's having fun, you know, when his true character comes out and he's able to just kind of, you know, be himself. And I think he's really good for Washington in that locker room. Like I say, you know, his career has been a hills and valley. So you have to expect that during the season for it to be a hills and valley. Like he's going to give you some games, you'd be like, wow. He's going to give some games where you'll scratch your head. Uh, but I think he can be great for, for Heineke and he can be great for Kyle Allen you know, just to learn from. And, uh, and they can see what happens. You know, you got a defense just built to win. And now you get your offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to take chances down the field. And, you know, that's something that the other two guys couldn't do that much of. But Ryan, he's going to do that. He's going to take those shots to Terry and um, Curtis. And, you know, he's going to throw the ball down there and let those guys go make plays. And he's not afraid of throwing interceptions. So, you know, those guys has to be excited uh, about this chance. But, yeah, I don't think they had to go get a, a rookie quarterback this year. I think you can wait. With Fitz, I know the past couple years in Tampa and then last year in Miami, he kind of starts off hot and then sometimes he gets a little bit cold and then the team kind of flips to the backup. Do you think they should kind of wait it out if that comes or do you think they should go to Heineke if, if, if Fitz isn't, doesn't have it? Well, you know, a lot of that is always pushed by the media and the fan base. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yep. you know, you're in Washington, D.C., you know, it's a, it's a huge fan base as far as like, you know, the, the nation's capital team. Um, so my whole thing is last year, Fitz, he was doing really good in Miami. I didn't see the reason to pull him. And then when they did pull him, they always had him like right there as your, as your backup pitcher to come in the game and try to seal the game, you know? So, you know, they want to get Tua some experience, but I didn't think they necessarily had to play Tua last year. I thought Tua could have just continued to heal that injury, you know, and now, the kid goes out there, he wasn't able to play on a full strength, and now everyone's judging him. Everybody wondering if should he been drafted that high, should he be playing? And I'm just like, that's not fair to the kid because you thrust him in there when you didn't have to. And Ryan was playing pretty good, and then Ryan would come in and have hot spurts in game. Like I said, that's part of football, though. You name any starting quarterback, 
they all, some of them start off great or they start off slow, they get hot or they start off hot and they have a two, three games where they kind of off and they like, dang, man, what's going on? But then they pick it back up again towards the end of the year. It's 17 games. It's a long season. You can't be up for 17 games as far as like you're playing your best every game. Like some games you're trying your best, but your best is just not happening. And you just go ahead, go home and be like, man, why, why couldn't this happen for me today? And it just wasn't your day. But you know, the NFL is a tough, man. The quarterback position is a very tough position. That's why, you know, I give guys a lot of credit, you know, to play the position, especially when you play to yourself. You understand that it is a tough, it is a grind, and you're going to have some bad games. You can't control it sometimes. Do you think going into training camp, there's a portion of the locker room that's kind of like, all right, Fitz is the veteran. We brought him in. Let's see what he could do. And there's another portion of the locker room gone. Well, Taylor kind of gave it everything he got against Tampa. Do you think, or, or do you think it's just kind of like, all right, whoever's the best, let the best, the best man win? I think those guys are saying, like, who's ever the best, let them go. You know, let them go. Let those guys compete. Of course, you know, they're paying Ryan a good amount of salary. They're not going to pay him that, I think, to sit on the sideline. You bring a guy in, you're paying him the salary you're giving him. You're paying him to be the starter. And uh, But I think they're in a good, great situation from a comfortable standpoint because they know, you know, you still got to knock on wood. If, if Ryan gets hurt, you know, Heineke has to be ready. And then if Heineke gets hurt, Kyle Allen better be ready. You know, you went through three, four quarterbacks last year, you know, so you have to understand like this is this, the football game in an injury can happen at any time. So who's ever wins the battle, the next guy can't just sit down and just be like, oh man, I lost the battle. Like, no, there's no time to, to think that way. You have to still prepare yourself as a starter and think as a starter because you could be thrust in at any given point. So and 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 just looking at it, I think the locker room is going to handle this well. You know, I think the defense is not going to give up many points. So I think that plays in the hand for them to be able to kind of figure out. You just don't want to lose the game by just throwing a bunch of interceptions. If Ryan goes out there and starts throwing a bunch of interceptions, then yes, you have to pull him. You have to do what's best for the team and go with the next guy and see what he can do. Like you can't just let someone just throw interceptions and put your defense in bad situations. So you know, I don't think Ryan's on a short leash by no means, but, you know, if he has a couple of games where it happens a few games in a row, then, then the noise starts. And when the noise starts, changes happen. Does anybody around the division scare you this year? Uh, Dallas does. Uh, you know, like I said, last year, they were still in it without Dak, you know, and everything. And, and so now you get Dak back and you get a, you know, a healthy Zeke. They look like Zeke has lost a lot of body fat. He's trying to you know, he's retooled his mind, his mindset. And then, you know, you look at them from an offensive standpoint, you name a receiving core that's just as good as them in the league. Like they're right up there. They got to be top three as a unit. Um, and then you think about them on the defense side of the ball to get the kid from Penn State to come in and play, you know, as a linebacker. So I think where they're hurting at is in their secondary. I didn't think they did a lot in their secondary. I think Washington can kind of you know, compete with them from that standpoint of using their two outside receivers and using Logan Thomas over the middle to try to, you know, explore them to get some points. But, you know, from an offensive standpoint, they can put up points. And I think that's the thing. It's almost reminds me of the Chiefs. You got to keep up with them from a point scoring standpoint, not necessarily their defense is so strong. It's just their offense can just score at any given time. What about the Giants? Is it just, is you still not kind of sold on Daniel Jones? What do you think they've done? Yeah, I'm just not, I'm not completely sold on Daniel. You know, I don't think he's done enough right now that, that would scare me if I'm a Washington. Yes, they beat Washington twice last year. So from that standpoint, did they get better? Yes, they got better. They went and got another receiver in free agency. So, you know, that helped Daniel out a lot. And then with Saquon Barkley coming back healthy, 
you know, he's going to be stronger. And um, I know they beat Washington twice last year, but I feel like, you know, they didn't win the division. Washington did. And they seem like they had, like some some years, some teams just have your number. And I think whatever reason, the Giants just had Washington's number last year. So, but they don't scare me going into this season though, but you have to respect them. And, and you know that anytime a guy's playing for his job, a head coach is now his second year there. And it was hard for him to be a head coach the first year during COVID. You know, you're trying to figure out protocols while you're trying to put your team together where this year he's had a little bit more of a leash to do some things he wants to do. So I expect the Giants to be a better football team this year. Um, when you talk about the Eagles, uh, you know, they're still trying to figure out the quarterback situation. Uh, you know, from that standpoint, like, you know, is it going to be, you know, a guy from, from uh, I just went brain fart for a second. <laughs> uh, Hurts, Jalen Hurts. With my guy Jalen Hurts that I that I know is either gonna be Jalen or it's gonna be Flacco, you know, just uh you know, so I have to I have to say this probably more than likely gonna be Jalen Hurts, you know, like you took the guy in the second round, you uh and everything. So give him a clean slate and see what he do. You know, you bring in the receiver Smith out of Alabama, you know, they know each other from the past, they have a little bit of a connection. So you know, it wouldn't make sense for me to say that they wouldn't start him. Uh, so, you know, I think I think you can expect Jalen to start there. And defensively, they're going to be good. And defensively, they're going to be good. They still got the guys up front on the defensive line. They still got, you know, guys in secondary that can play. So defensively, they're going to be ahead of the offense. But don't sleep on Philly. You know, we don't know much about the coaching staff. They're a young group, young guy. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I do know their offense coordinator, Shane. And, uh, you know, I was with him before. So he runs the North Turner offense. He runs the same similar offense as uh, as Coach Turner does right now, uh, you know, with his son up in up in Washington. So you can expect the ball to go down the field. You can expect play action pass. So same division. So you see the same offense. What do you think of that Eagles-Washington uh, game the week 17 last year when it almost looked like Philly kind of let Washington have Yeah. That's that's tough pill to swallow when you're an NFL player, man. Even as a fan, though, you know, like, like not to say they would have won the game or whatever, like, but who knows? Like, you just and if you watch them, like, you like, look, guys, if you beat us, you beat us fair and square, you know. But you know, but at the same time, though, like, you don't want to see that in professional sports, right? It's just, you know, it's almost like people get paid off or something, you know. It's just like you don't you want to see that in professional sports. Like, look, if a team is trying to win and get in the playoffs and you either beat them and go home as a competitor, I'm trying to take you right home with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to send you to the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go out there and compete and try to stop you to win. So that's what Philly was trying to do, and then Washington is trying to beat them. But then at the end, like, you just see somebody just like, what are they doing? Like, they taking people out. Like, you kind of know, like, what's going on, you know? And then you in a division where Philly and Washington, you're rivals, you know? So it kind of makes you question the character of what was going on there. I didn't like it uh, from a standpoint of, a, you know, just a competitive player. Like, you know, anything we get, we want to earn it. Like, you know, at the same time, like, that's just not good for the game, man. Like, don't do not do that. I don't care if it is week 17 and you're trying, like, you still get paid. When you pick up your paycheck, you get paid to play. So you play all the way through the season, no matter if you're two and 14 or if you're one and 15, your job is to go out there and play as the highest level that you can play at. And to the final clocks hit zero, zero, zero. So I didn't like that aspect. And when I ask you, I know you do a lot with Auburn, you get the Believe in Auburn podcast. Are there any guys uh, from Auburn that were drafted this past year that you like the fits? 
Yeah, like Swartz, Anthony Swartz, uh, you know, going to Cleveland. I think that'll be, you know, a, a great fit for him. You know, he's going in there with Odell, and he also, you know, gets to play with Landry. Um, you know, of course, Mayfield be a year older, and they have a strong run game. So a strong run game that they have the two with Chubb and those guys, you're going to suck up the safety. And uh, with Swartz being the fastest man outside of Tyreek Hill, you know, they're going to use him to go over the top, scratch the field, and they can use him in kick return and punt return. So I thought that was big for them to jump up and grab him. I didn't think Auburn used him as well as they could have uh, with all his dynamic speed and everything he does. I think uh, Cleveland would try to find a way to exploit that. Um, you know, our other receiver, you know, going out to Denver, you know, I think he's he has an opportunity. Uh, to go and do some great things. Seth Williams is who I'm talking about. Uh, I think Seth has the opportunity to go there. He's a big target. And and like I say, like, if you look at Auburn film, you know, they didn't do a lot of, like, route running. You know, a lot of their stuff was based off speed sweeps and different things like that. So now that you put these guys in the offense where they actually learn to run routes, I think you, those two guys can do really well in the NFL. And flipping over the college side, uh, news came out yesterday that apparently Oklahoma and Texas are trying to join the SEC. What were your initial thoughts when you heard that? <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, Texas A&M is the biggest rival to Texas in the state of Texas. And uh, so you got to think about it. They're losing. Texas used to get the top recruits. Now they're losing recruits to Texas A&M because these guys are like, look, the SEC, they're paying more money to their athletes when you think about it from a standpoint. And now they have the NIL. So their own national televised games. The games are competitive. So who you think these sponsors are going to go to? They going towards the SEC guys. So it's all a big money thing. So when you look at Oklahoma and Texas, they like, okay, how can we fit into the puzzle? How can we get a part of this? And as the SEC, it would be fun to have those two teams because you look at it, the West is loaded. You have LSU, Alabama, Auburn, you know, each year is always tough. Texas A&M is in the West. Uh, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, they're no slouch. They're in the West. Arkansas is improving. They're in the West. Look at the East. Who you got? It's just Georgia and Florida. You know, Tennessee has fell off. They used to be a powerhouse. Last five years, they've fallen off. Uh, South Carolina has always just been kind of mediocre. Uh, so if Texas and Oklahoma was to come in and be on the East side, now you're looking at a level playing field. And you want to talk about some some great college games, they would have literally have to go to a 10-game SEC schedule because they would literally have to play like 10 of the best 14 teams at that time. Right now, 12, it would be 14 at that time. So, man, it would be all the primetime games would go to the SEC. And you see the SEC is pretty much trying to run their own their own league and, uh, and get away from the NCAA. So I think a lot has to do with that as well. So... It's going to be a lot of AD talk this year. I think this is just scratching the surface. I think you'll hear more about this in the spring. And uh, so watch out this year for the Big 12 and see what happens as far as like the talk and all the chatter that goes on because it may pay dividends coming to springtime. And then in the SEC, right now, who's the best quarterback in the SEC? Oh, I would probably have to say, you know, the Daniels kid out of Georgia. Uh, you know, I would probably say JT Daniels just because of the simple fact that, you know, he's going to have a great defense. Of course, he lost his big weapon, Pickens, who's probably going to be the number one receiver in the SEC this year. Uh, he goes down with ACL injury. But, you know, Kirby Smart can recruit. And, you know, they're going to have some guys to step up and make some plays um, and everything. And they just picked up the tight end that was at uh, LSU, the big-time prize recruit that transferred over to Georgia. So it's almost like they lose one, but they gain one. So 
and you know there's going to be a great competition there. But I would probably say JT Daniels. Um, I'm trying to go down the list and think. What about a Matt Corral at Ole Miss? Yeah, that's the next guy I was probably going to say is Matt Corral, you know, because he's not a big guy, but he's a very, very athletic kid. You know, he can run. Uh, he can, you know, make some plays with his feet, make some plays on the run. He can stay in the pocket and make some great throws. So I think another year with him under Kiffin, you know they're going to put up points offensively and everything. So I expect Ole Miss to, to really be good again offensively. Defensively have always been their Achilles heel. If they could ever fit the defensive side of the ball, they'll be in the competition in the West. Um, so, and I think Bo is probably the next guy, if you want to just say from being in, from an experience standpoint, he has a lot to prove this year. You know, he can, um, this is a year for him to, you know, kind of settle in and see like, okay, where he's at in his career. Uh, like I said, he's going to get pushed though. You know, they just picked up uh, Finley and, uh, you know, Finley is a big kid. I just saw him two weeks ago, him and Bo, and I spoke to the team. Uh, so I think now that you got that guy behind you, I think it either going to motivate you and push you a little bit harder where you don't become comfortable. Because I always thought they didn't have anybody behind Bo that could push him and make him be more competitive and uh, and everything. It was just too comfortable. So now I think they kind of take him out of his comfort zone. I think, you know, we'll see how he accepts it. Um, you know, will he take that and go to the playing field and use that as motivation? Uh, and everything because you have to be you have to be willing to accept competition man in the sec especially the quarterback position like they're always recruiting the top guys every year so it ain't gonna matter like even when you get to the nfl you're competing every year for a roster spot so you might as well get used to it right now and i want to ask you about uh your time in dc what was it like getting drafted by them oh it's cool you know joe gibbs you know experienced guy uh guy you know the one three super bowls uh, getting drafted by Washington, you know, team to, you know, Doug Williams to win the Super Bowl there and wear 17. I wore 17 in college and uh, and everything. I wore seven in high school. So and I got a chance to pick my number, even though Thaisman number was kind of retired. Uh, but Joe's a great guy. I enjoy Joe. Uh, you know, I ended up giving seven, getting 17 and uh, and everything. But it was it was great being playing in D.C. I love the D.C. fan base. I love living in D.C. Uh, the problem was at the time that the franchise was just in so disarray. You know, Coach Gills was there. It was pretty much ran properly. First year we go to the playoffs. Second year, um, my first year, yeah, we went to the playoffs. And then the second year there, you know, he kind of, that's the year he retired was after that season, after Sean had ended up, you know, everything that happened with him, you know, I think kind of took a toll on Coach and everything. And then, you know, having his son going through some health problems as well. I think he he ready to just leave the game. But had Coach Gill stayed, I think my career in Washington would have been a lot longer and would have been a lot better because the simple fact he brought stability. Um, but when he left, it's almost like the stability left out the door with him because after that, you know, we ended up hiring Coach Zorn. At the time, Coach Zorn's a great guy, but he's never been an offense coordinator, he's never been a head coach, and then you give him both all at once. You know, it's kind of like, you know, that's just too much for anybody. And um, and then you put him on a short leash. You know, you took his play calling away from him in the middle of the season. Yeah. And you don't even give it to somebody else on the staff, like Coach Mike, Chris Mike, who I thought should have got it, because Chris Mike, I respect that he knew the game. But then you go and get Coach Sherman Lewis off the couch to come in and all of a sudden you say he's going to be our analyst, but he's not our analyst. You give him the OC job pretty much. And he start, he calls plays the first week he's there. 
I'm just like, what is going on? And I even talked to him in the office and he was just like, Jay, I'm sorry. I've never seen a quarterback in the NFL have to go through what you've gone through. And he said, this is unheard of. This is not even realistic. And, uh, and people don't know that. People don't know the stuff that I had to go through. And my numbers were still really good numbers at the end of the day. And I went through total chaos. Like, I don't tell a lot of people everything that I went through. I was just like, but if they knew, they would have a whole lot more respect for what I had to go through in Washington. Because when I went to Oakland, man, I hit the ground running. I had a really good career out of Oakland. I just broke my collarbone. But, uh, you know, we was winning. And I was putting up good numbers out there. So, you know, it's just, uh, unfortunately, man, you know, that's why I tell guys, it's not about the guys sometimes. Sometimes where you drafted at in the situations that you're put in, you know, you get to the NFL because you're a really great player, but great ones get a chance to continue and do great things when they're surrounded with stability and people ran the right way. And I think lately you've heard Coach uh, Mr. Schneider come out and say he made some mistakes. He was super young and everything, and he did. And, uh, you know, and he's, he's owning up to that. And you know, hopefully this is a turn for the right direction uh, for Washington anytime you won't change somebody have to admit that they're wrong first and uh, you know him coming out publicly saying that maybe now they can uh, he, he can start to trust people around him let them do their job um, I want to ask you about the the, the fantasy files commercial <laughs> how'd you how'd you do that with the ball and then kind of flip it out to two receivers how'd that happen yeah man it was uh it was it was cool I had sandals on that day <laughs> and <laughs> So, you know, I was kind of relaxed or whatever. So I had two footballs. And uh, so you had to throw one ball first and then you got to try to hit the ball in midair. And then you have two people standing on the east side and the posts are split and, uh, and you go to two people. So a lot of people, you know, questioned me about it. And I said, I haven't yet received any money from all these 3 million views. Plus, you know, NFL is making all the money. I haven't made not one cent off of it. But, uh, you know, it was great to be able to have the opportunity to shoot the commercial. Uh, Chris Cooley did one, I did one, so that was fun. And uh, so everyone I would say, man, was it real? Did you really do that? I tell people, I say, hey, I said, it took me a few times, but yeah, I actually threw the ball and hit the ball in midair. I said, so I said, that's the whole point. I was just like, I can't tell you the rest of it. I can't tell you all. I was just like, that's the point. Like you supposed to think like the objective, was it real or was it not? But it was a great time. I enjoyed it. It took a couple of takes, but it was a great job. It was a great time. This shoot with all the guys, I know a bunch of guys did it. Was it all in a similar location or was it all around the country? No, nah, it's just all around. They come to come to your um, your complex, your facility and uh, and shoot it. So they did it. I think it was might have been up like 10 or something. It have been. But, um, you know, you, you see a couple of guys like Cooley. He shot his on a totally different day than I did. Interesting. And, uh, everything. But. Cool and me has some really good Eastern Motor commercials, though. I was going to ask you about that. Do you, do you remember the jingle? Yeah, we remember the jingle, uh, the Eastern Motors. Uh, <laughs> you know, we remember that. Get you in a car today. Right, right. <laughs> Rest, in peace. Rest in peace, Chief. You know, he was on there with us. Um, you know, we had some good time. Moss was on there. Portis was on there. Cooley, myself, Randall L. Uh, the one we was out dancing around in the locker room. And, uh, um we had some really good Eastern Motors commercials. It might have been the funnest ones to come through because we had some characters, man. And uh, and then he finally extended over to Baltimore a little bit where we had uh, McGahee. He was on there with us a little bit. So did Ray, didn't Ray Lewis do a couple of them? I think Ray did do like one or two. I think he did. So, you know, it, it was fun. I see that they still do some of those commercials, but it's not like what we used to do, man. Like, a, like 
we made people remember the, the jingle. Yeah. I've never seen an Eastern Motors dealership. I've seen every one of those commercials. <laughs> exactly. So go figure. Yes. Um, did, when they pitched those to you guys, you're just like, all right, or you got like, who, who's thinking of these, 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 uh, these little skits? Yeah, they have a producer that comes up with them. Uh, I just want to know what car I'm driving. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, I do whatever you tell me to do on here. I like, just let me know what car I'm driving. I just like, depending on the car, depending on if I sign off on it. And uh, they give you a car for doing the commercial. Is that kind of like or yeah, you drive around it? Yeah, they gave us a car to drive for the whole oh, year. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah, so that's what the car. Yeah, they give us a car free sponsorship. You drive the car for the whole year. Like, you can't beat that. Like, you give me a free car to drive for the year. I take that. But uh, yeah, so they had the producers and stuff, and then we kind of winged some stuff on set, though. But uh, you know, it was, it was pretty fun, though. When you were driving the car around and somebody said, Is that from Eastern Motors? You got to go finance it all the way. <laughs> hey, that would have been a good one, but hey, <laughs> maybe what? He, I think, what the guy Robert was the guy that, uh, you know, great guy, the one that runs Eastern Motors, and uh, he's the one that took care of us, man. He's an outstanding guy. And, we drove some really nice cars, put it that way. Like you saw us on the road, we was in some really, really nice cars. So it wasn't nothing, you know, wasn't nothing to be shabby about. So I didn't have to buy a car for a while in the league. It's awesome. I saw you were in a Geico commercial. Yeah, I shot a Geico commercial. Uh, <laughs> Jason Candle, Candle. Yeah, we, drew, we, we saw two of them. When I look back at that stuff now, I laugh because now I show a lot more personality. But then I was just kind of like finding my groove and trying to get into it. And, <laughs> wearing a suit that's three times bigger than my body. And now we wear fitted suits and custom suits and, uh, and everything. And, but yeah, we still had that life-size poster, Jason Candle. And then uh, I had one where I was on a massage table and everything. Uh, so that was cool. You know, I got a chance to meet the Geico people and uh, still friends with a couple of them to this cool. day. So, you know, like I said, Washington was fun, man. I, I had a great time. I just wish things could have been better from a stability standpoint because I feel like I had everything that we needed to do. We just needed to put it all together, man. Find stability. Like you can't have too many irons in the fire, man. Just, just go disarray. Do you think they've finally moved past it? They finally changed the culture. Do you think it's on the come up now? Or do you think there's still more work that they could do? I uh, still more work to do. You know, uh, like I said, last year they went seven and nine. Everyone just because they made the playoffs. They think it was a, a historic year. <laughs> just like, no, look, the division was horrible last year. Let's be honest. Um, you know, I bet when we played in the division, it was known as one of the toughest divisions in all of football. You know, every team was competing every year for playoff spots, if not one going to Super Bowl. So, you know, last year was just kind of like unheard of. We've never seen a division that bad ever. And, uh, you know, not, not to take anything away from Washington. Of course. But I think this year you'll get a better perspective of where we're at moving forward. You know, are we turning the corner? Uh, you know, and everything. So I think this year tell a lot more uh, rather than last season. What are your expectations for the team this season? What do you think is the best they could do? Well, I expect them to have a winning record. And I expect them to compete and win a division uh, alone. Like I said, I think the team to beat is Dallas, them in Dallas. And the only reason I say the team to beat is Dallas is because you look at the quarterback situation with Dak. You know, Dak is their leader and he's the guy that's kind of, you know, helps the whole team. You saw how much they missed him from a, just a leadership standpoint last year. And so when you were talking about the top quarterbacks in the division, it starts with Dak. So, you know, I, I think the, I think Washington has to beat them to, to win a division. So I expect Washington to be right there though. I like the things they're doing. I think going to the second year, 
like I said, for offense, I think it has to catch up with the defense. You know, I think last year, okay, you're implementing the offense. You're trying to get people acclimated. You know, you know, Coach Turner, his first time being an offensive coordinator for real, you know, he's trying to get used to play calling. And, you know, he has, you know, he has Coach Sam Peasy come over from Cincinnati, you know, who I respect a lot as a quarterback's coach and uh, got us very, very in tune with the game. I think now having those two guys be able to, to partner together and go through a whole offseason, got film to watch and break down things, I think they can learn from a lot of their mistakes and they can also graduate to the next level of their offense by adding some more pieces that they did this offseason. So I, I expect the offense to just catch up a little bit more to the defense. Our defense is going to be top five in the league. You know, if the offense can just be top 10 or top 15, I think they have an opportunity to, to, to make the playoffs again. Do you, do you think Scott Turner's playbook is is too conservative? Do you think the guys last year just couldn't get a grasp on it? Well, Scott Turner, like I said, I think a lot of it for him is experience. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a lot of experience. I know, of course, he's been around his father, you know, who's been one of the best play callers in, in the NFL for years. I was just like, so he's learned a lot. But until you do it personally and you're in those moments personally, like it's still a learning curve. So I feel like he was still learning just as much as guys in the offense were still learning. And I think he'll be better this year. And I think this year with Fitz, having a veteran quarterback, there are certain things that Fitz can see in the game yeah. where he knows it's not going to work or he knows, like, ah, I can switch this play to this because I know I've seen all the coverages. I know we can hit this play for a big play. So it's going to allow him more freedom to allow Fitz to, to change play calls and allow Fitz to, to do things differently rather than Haskins. You know, Haskins, I don't know how much work Haskins put into learning the playbook. I don't know what his work ethic was like. You know, I wasn't around him. I just go off hearsay. And, uh, but I know Fitz is a guy that's going to put the work in. He's going to study. So from that standpoint, you can expect the ball to go down the field, which is where they want the ball to go is down the field. And then you got your bats that come out of the backfield. You get in the ball, you let them make one-on-one with linebackers and safety. So I think you would see a different offense from that standpoint. So, that's why I say last year, just call it a straight learning curve. This year, we'll see if they improve to the next level. Yeah, that's really, really all the questions really have for you. Um, can you promote your, your podcast so people can check that out? Yeah, everybody, you know, I have a podcast with uh, Taylor Davis. Uh, she works with ESPN and the Kansas City Royals and, you know, does a whole lot of stuff, college football. So uh, our podcast is Believe in Everything Auburn, B-L-E-A-V. Uh, subscribe for free. Uh, more subscribers we get and the more sponsorships we get. And, uh, and we talk about all things Auburn, but we talk more than just Auburn. You know, we talk about NFL uh, as well. We talk about other SEC. We talk about the whole SEC and everything as a, as a whole. So, you know, check us out, man. We, we do some really good stuff on there and, uh, and uh, we're just continuing to keep moving forward. What was last season like with Auburn? Were you, were you, you did the radio, you did the radio for them? Radio Auburn last year, so it was weird pulling up the games. Like you used to see, you get good parking spots, good parking drive, spots available. Drive all the way up to the stadium, so <laughs> and, so you know it was weird pulling up. There's no smoke in the air from tailgating. There's no people. It's just like you pull up and you walk into the stadium. It's like okay, like is this a scrimmage that's about to take place? That's what it feels like. It was a scrimmage. Uh, but, you know, it was better having 15,000 fans than zero. So 15,000 fans, you still, it made a difference. It made it feel like a football game. But when it's zero fans, man, it's almost like football is just made off intensity. It's made off of, you know, motivation and crowd noise that you feed off of. And when you don't have that, man, you mentally, psychologically have to check in 
and just treat it like, okay, I'm against these 11 guys on the field. All my focus is here. Pretend that there's a crowd that you feed off of. But, you know, hopefully, man, we can get this COVID thing down a little bit and get fans back in the stand. Because you saw how the NBA finals was, like seeing all those people, the excitement, man, that's sports, man. Sports, like it can make a bad day a good day. You know what I'm saying? It can make, you know, people going through some tough times, you know, it can give them something to smile about, something to grab onto, you know, it, it creates opportunity and hope, you know, and uh, so I just hopefully, man, that we can uh, get to a place, man, where we, uh, that we can all get back to some normalcy. We've seen a little bit of normalcy, but we're not all the way back because now COVID is picking back up and everybody's getting concerned. They're like, well, during football season is right here and it's picking up. You know, it's just like when you just saw how basketball started with no fans, yeah. but they in the playoffs, they started getting fans and look what it did for these teams. Like, look at the Hawks. The Hawks almost went to the finals. You know, yeah. like, look at the Knicks. You saw all the people that came to the Garden. Like, the They garden. were amazing. They won one game and they can remember that for 20 years. They totally right. won the next one. And the Garden was rocking. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, like, you just think about it. Like, the fans play such a big part of it. I don't know if they could have made it that far if they didn't have that type of support, you know? So, you know, the Bucks, like, you look at Deer District. Deer District was crump. Like, we're talking about Milwaukee. It, it one porta potty for 50,000 yeah. people. 50,000 people, one porta potty. Come on, how many people <laughs> peed on themselves out there at night? You know, like, you know people was drinking like crazy. Like, Hell yeah. It was a 65,000 people party on the outside. I saw one bar in Wisconsin, apparently, because obviously Giannis shot horribly from the line the whole series. They were giving out free shots, everybody in the bar, for every free throw he made. And he made 19. So they took a hit. Exactly. So he was 17 for 19 from the free throw line. <laughs> And then he goes and order a 50-piece the next day. Like, I like Giannis. Like, Giannis exemplified what sports is all about. Because, like you said, he didn't go join a super team. He didn't do all those things. He did it the right way, the hard way. Like, he stayed put. He built the team. And he understood, like, it takes time. That's the thing about our, our society. We're the popcorn society where if a, player, if a player don't live up to something in the first two years, let's get rid of him. And you know what I'm saying? And then he goes somewhere else. And then by year six, seven, he doesn't develop. And then he's an all-star, all-pro, you know, just like, but you don't have time enough no more. You just get rid of guys. And uh, and he stayed put and he grew and grew and grew. And then they built that team and they won a championship. And I'm a huge fan of Giannis just because of the way he carries himself, man. Like he taught this younger generation a big deal. He taught the younger generation that you don't have to, go join forces or something, try to get the easy way to the championship. There's nothing easy about it. Like he stayed put and say, look, you gotta sometimes put your foot in the mud and get dirty and go to work. And when it works out for you, you appreciate it a lot more. So I, I'm happy that, you know, he was able to win a championship the way that he won it because it pays dividends, man, for this younger generation, man, that thinks everything is a popcorn society. So, you know, I appreciate it, Zach. My Instagram is Campbell17 for all your fans out there. Uh, follow me on there. You can DM me some questions sometimes. Every now and then I'm able to get to them. If not, that just means I'm tied up. I'm busy. But, uh, you know, appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And then one more blueprint for, for the Bucs is if you championship team, you want to kind of reach that threshold, sign Bobby Portis. He'll get you yeah, there. Right, right. Bobby Portis, you got to think, he paid dividends for that team. He had 16 points in the last game. But every time he comes in the game, everybody's Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Like, that even does something for Giannis. It does something for Middleton because they feel that energy. You know, like, this is not your star player 
but the people are treating him like a star player. And that's why I like Milwaukee, man, because it wasn't about who gets all the accolades, who gets the praise and all that type of stuff. No, they won as a team. Like Giannis, if somebody was open, he kicks on the ball. If he can get to the hole, he learned playoffs. Like, dang, man, when I'm shooting threes, I'm crushing us as a team. So he only he stopped shooting threes. He would shoot maybe one or two a game instead of eight to ten. He just stopped shooting threes and he started going to the basket, getting to the rack. And that's that's a great player being able to accept criticism and use it to help him be yeah. one of the best players in the NBA now. So yeah. getting Bobby Portis, man, they got to resign Bobby Portis. He got to. Well, he's the he's the mayor now, so I don't know if he can play anymore. Yeah, I was saying, you know, so but you need that. Everybody has that one guy on the team that you, that brings yeah. that excitement that he may not be a starter, but you need him on a team because he just, he brings some excitement, man. He brings fun. And so uh, hopefully they can re-sign him and everything. And, uh, you know, like I said, I expect them to continue to compete. Like I said, people are, well, Brooklyn, they would have won and they got hurt. Guys, that's sports. Like a lot of teams would be, we always say at the end of the year, the healthiest team is the teams that play in the NFL, play in the Super Bowl, teams that play in the Major League Baseball, to play in the World Series. and basketball team to play in the finals I like that's part of the game I like but did you think that you can just throw some all-stars on a team and just say oh look at team USA they're losing everybody come on like man like you gotta learn how to compete and learn how to grow teams and everything and uh so I think the NBA is in a good spot man I think the NFL is in a, a good spot we have some really good young quarterbacks uh you know you look at Lamar Jackson you look at Mahomes you look at Josh Allen you know, you look at all these guys, Herbert, you know, like I think the NFL, man, is uh, in a good position to um, continue to grow. Like uh, I think some of my sleepers this year, you know, see what the Raiders do with Derek Carr, you know, see what they can do. Uh, see, you know, what Winston has Winston improved. He's got the he's got vision. He can see he can see 10 feet. Right, so we'll see if, if because he's in the offense. Sean Payton, uh, like he, he's a, one of the top three play callers in all of football. So. Let's see what Winston can do in, in New Orleans because they're going to be good defensively. Uh, and they have weapons offensively with Kamara and, and those guys. So, you know, everyone expects the Bucs to be back up there, you know, which we all do. Uh, you know, we expect the Bucs to still compete. But, you know, I think the other one is what happens in Green Bay. You know, will Aaron Rodgers show up for training camp next week? Or will this thing push in? My bet is, even without a saga, if he hadn't got traded yet, if he loves football and he wants to compete this year and win, he will show up just based off he wants to play the game. He wants to play. Now, if it's really, really business oriented and which tells me is outside of business because they offer him a contract that would have been the highest pay, pay, player in the NFL and he turned it down. So to me, that tells me that it's some internal issues with him and the owners, him and the uh, people that's part of the ownership. They don't really have an owner. So it's some, it's some internal like deeper issues for him because it wasn't about the money because they would have solidified him for five more years there. So this thing is going to get interesting. If he shows up at training camp, he's going to play his best this year, but he's out. You know, if he doesn't show up at training camp, they're going to be a huge mistake. They should have dealt. They need to deal him and deal him quickly where they can get a lot for him because as long as this drags out, man, it's going to get, it's going to get ugly and it's not going to be good for love. He didn't ask for this. You know, he was drafted there. You know, so and people gonna boo him when he get a chance to play, and it's not even his fault. So, you know, it's just too many pieces in the fire, man. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for training camp. But do appreciate you taking time uh, as always, and this is this was awesome. No, I appreciate that. Thank you, man. <laughs>